Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. If you would grab a Bible, we're going to go to 2 Samuel, excuse me, 2 Kings, chapter 4. I got a, speaking of churchy, I said I want a Bible that'll scare the devil and anybody who attacks me. Look at that thing. Isn't that awesome? I just bought it. When did Bibles get so expensive, by the way? I've had the same Bible for a long, long time, but I just wanted something new when, the, when they, you know, gave me the amount. I thought we should drive them out, you know? It's kind of offensive, but anyway, uh, we're going to get right to the Word. I kind of have a lot of Scripture to read right up front. Is that okay? All right, three of you, cool. For the rest of you, just kind of stick with me, all right? 2 Kings chapter 4. Verse 11, I got to say, how good was worship, huh? How good was that? Kim and, and Michael and um, how about Dylan? Did y'all notice Dylan? Just like swag, just like, like I'm, I'm probably not going to jump, but I'm going to look just really good. Just, <laughs> okay. Second Kings chapter four, verse 11, one day. Everybody say one day. One day Elisha returned to Shunem and went up to this upper room to rest. He said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem, I want to speak to her when she appears. Uh, When she appeared, Elisha said, tell her, we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, no, Lord. Uh, My family takes good care of me. And later Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? And Gehazi replied, well, she doesn't have a son and her husband is an old man. So call her again. And Elisha told him, uh, Elisha told him, and when the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. Next year, at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. Now, I don't know if the miracle was in her body or in her old husband's body, but, well, okay, let's keep moving. But somebody got a miracle. And at the time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha had said. And one day her child was older. He went out to help his father who was working with the harvesters. Now you need to know that a child, uh, a boy would not help his father until he was entering adulthood. So this would have been at least 12 years later, okay? Suddenly he cried out, my head hurts. And his father said to his servants, like every good father, carry him home to his mother. (laughs) So the servant, all the men said, amen, right there. So the servant took him home, and his mother held him in her lap, but around noon, he died. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. Notice that. Notice what she did. Laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door, and left him there. She shut the door and left him there. Now, at this point, we're just going to fast forward a little bit because it's so much scripture In verse 26, it says this. Gehazi went out to meet her. And he said, is everything all right with you, with your husband and your child? 
And the woman said, yes, it is well. But then she goes to Elisha, just to make the long story short, she went to Elisha, held on to the man of God and said, my son had died. So now Elisha, verse 32, is going to return to the home, return to the bed where the baby boy is laying. And this is verse 32. When he arrived, the boy was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. And he went in alone and he shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Then he laid down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, and his hands on the child's hands. When he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm again. Elisha got up, walked back and forth across the room, and then stretched himself out again on the child. This time, the boy sneezed seven times. Now, here's the significance of him sneezing seven times. Just kidding. I have no idea why he sneezed seven times. (laughs) Then Elisha summoned Gehazi, called the child's mother, he said. When she came in, Elisha said, here, take your son. Here, take your son. I want to read one more time. This is verse 21. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and then shut the door and left him there. I want to talk for just a couple of minutes from this subject. Don't bury the promise. Don't bury the promise. Can you look at uh, someone you're sitting next to and tell them, don't bury the promise? Can you tell them that? Can you tell them that? All right, look at your second choice and tell your second choice. Tell them, don't bury the promise. Don't bury. Look at one more person and say, I prayed all week that I would sit next to you. Tell them that. Come on. I prayed all week I'd sit next to you. Father, I thank you that all of the promises of God are yes and amen. And so, Lord, you have given us your yes, and now we say amen to the promises of God. Thank you for the presence of the Lord that we feel here. Thank you for your word. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said amen. Uh, Pretty amazing passage of scripture that begins in verse 11 by starting with two words. One day. Uh, This immediately builds my faith because it lets me know that even the most mundane day in the hand of God can become supernatural. That even on your Mondays, even a Monday could become a one day. That no matter the current season that you feel like you're in, no matter the current situation that you feel like you're in, no matter uh, the circumstance that you are currently facing, that literally in a day, things can begin to turn in your favor. One day, the prophet walks into town. And today we are not just looking for a prophet or for the next great preacher or for the next great worship team, but rather we have something even greater than a prophet or an apostle. We have not just a man, we have the God man. His name is Jesus. And Jesus can walk right into your day and it can turn into a one day. 
A one day that you look back on and say that was the day that something turned. Not, not everything changed, but something changed. And, and the reason he went to this woman's house is because the Bible said in an earlier verse that she built a room for the prophet. I just want to tell you, you can build a room for the miraculous in your life. We build a room of faithfulness. And then we live a life of expectation. I never know when I open up this word when God is going to speak to me a promise that will change my life. I never know when I'm going to turn off the crazy talk radio and put on some worship music and begin to worship God on the 405 on my way to work. And I never know what day that, that God is going to speak something, but I've created a room. I've created a miracle room for God. to speak. I never know when I'm going to grab my wife's hand and we're going to pray a prayer that could literally change the trajectory of our life. I never know when I'm going to walk into church, even on a Sunday night and it's raining and I didn't really want to go, but the Raiders won, so I thought I needed to come and bring a sacrifice of praise come on somebody so I walk in and I never I never know what day is going to be my one day but I do know this I'm going to build a miracle room for God a place for God a place where God can speak to me it happens at church it happens Wednesday night at divine it happens Wednesday night when I go to men's ministry it happens Saturday night when I take my kids to youth you never know when you drop off that crazy kid who you are believing for and praying for and you're going dear Jesus save him or I'm gonna punch him <laughs> and I don't want to go to prison because I wasn't built for that life but but you never know when you go drop that kid off at Kid Pack or, or we're going to drop your baby off with the nursery or when you drop your, 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 your teenager off at youth. You never know what day could be there one day and they walk out of class and, and they, got, they, they, they got red eyes and they've been crying and they go, Mama, I met Jesus. Dad, I, I think I heard from God. Uh, Jake was preaching this message and it went right to, you never know what day. I'm sorry I'm yelling already. You never know what day's going to be your one day. You never know when that person that you've been believing for is going to call you and say, forgive me. I'm ready to make a change. I'm ready to turn. I, you just never know. I, I, I have so many one days. I remember the day I got saved. June 10th, 1998, Del Rio, Texas. I remember the day. God bless Texas. I remember the day. I got filled with the Holy Ghost in a prayer meeting. I remember the day I got called into ministry. I remember the day I saw my wife for the first time. Woo! I was leading worship. I was 17. And there she was on the front row. With, I don't know what you call it, but her stomach was showing. And I said, I'm falling into you. Hey, girl. And no one's gonna love you like I will. You know, amen. And I took her to McDonald's. Come on, we had our first date. I remember the day. I remember the day God told me, that's enough dating, marry her. That's a word for somebody in here. Let's leave it alone. I, I have one days with God. I remember the day I've seen people healed. I, I have one days and you never know what day can be your one day. Please don't grow weary in well doing because today can be your day. Can somebody give God praise real quick? But, but her one day happened in the miracle room. I'm just asking you to make a room for God.
I'm asking you to make room for God. Does it mean you got to wake up 15 minutes earlier? Maybe. Does it mean you've got to invest in some new music? Maybe. Does it mean you need to go buy a Bible that you understand? Yes. I don't don't know what it's going to mean for you, but can you make room for God? Because the moment you make room for God is the moment you can have a one day where your whole life changes. And on this day, on this one day, verse 13, Elisha says, what can I do for you? And again, the New Testament tells us that our church, the New Testament church is not built on prophets and apostles, but on the Son, on Christ. So I want you to hear this, but not from Elisha asking it or even a preacher asking it, but I I want you to hear the Lord asking you, what can I do for you? Do you remember when he went to blind Bartimaeus, Mark chapter 10, he said, what do you want from me? Uh, We must define what we want. And Elisha said, what can we do for you? And she said, I'm cool. I'm good. Praise the Lord. God is good. Hallelujah. But, but she wasn't good. You know that we can go so long without receiving the thing we want that we eventually accept that as God's will and just go, I guess God doesn't want that for me. Come on, somebody. We have all done it. So he goes, what can I do for you? She should have said, I, I need a baby. And this husband's old. He needs a miracle. But she doesn't. She goes, oh, I'm good, man of God. I'm good. I'm great. But she wasn't. Uh, there, there's a story where, where Jesus is walking through the streets of Jerusalem and, and his disciples are marveling over the temple because they've, they'd seen it their whole life and they were marveling over it. And Jesus says, man, this thing is going to fall. And they couldn't believe it because of the power of permanence. They had always seen it and always expected that it would always be there. But Jesus said, it's going to go away. I think sometimes in life we we get used to something in our life and we just stop believing God for that anymore. So then the Lord would say, what do you want? We go, I'm I'm good, God. I'm faithful, praise the Lord. But God actually wants to intervene in your situation. He actually wants to give you the desire of your heart. He wants to do something in the place that you're believing Him for the most. I have a mentor, his name is Bill Shear, and he told me this, and I've never forgotten. He said, Jabin, God is a covenant God, and what that means is that God is a yes God. God's promises are not yes and no. God's promises are yes and amen. So if God gave you a promise, it isn't for you, but not for somebody else. It's yes. God is a yes God who says yes to his children when he's made a promise. But what happened was he said, what can I do for you? And she said, I'm good. But Gehazi says, no, she doesn't have a son. She wants a son. And Elisha says, by this time, verse 15, by this time next year, you're going to have a baby. By this time next year, you're going to hold that promise in your arms. Man, I love this about our faith. So much good can happen in such a short amount of time. Uh-huh. I'm going to say it again. So much good can happen 
in such a short amount of time. There are, there are a lot of religions in our world where people give their whole life to a religion hoping that one day maybe, maybe when they die, they'll go on to the other side and they might see something, might get something, might reach something. But the Bible says that the word of the Lord, Hebrews 4, is quick. <laughs> God can do a quick work in your life. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about 30 seconds, though he can do a lot in 30 seconds. But I'm talking about if you would press into the promise of God, if you would press into the presence of God, if you would press into the word of God, you would not recognize yourself in a year. Your spouse would not recognize you in a year. God can do so much in a short amount of time. I'm just here to declare that by this time next year, your marriage can look better. Can I get faith from four people? By this time next year, your finances can look better. By this time next year, your bank account can maybe add a, a dot or a zero. Come on, somebody. By this time next year, your kids will be acting different. Why? Because this is the promise of God that, that, that a lot can happen in a little bit of time. Elisha would, would, would say in 2 Kings chapter 7, he would say, by this time tomorrow... The famine would be over. This is, this is how our God works. What he can do in a day, what he can do in a month, what he can do in three months, what he can do in a year. If you would start serving in this church, God will change your life. If you go out to that parking lot and serve in that parking lot in the rain like that. By the way, can we give it up for our parking lot attendants out there right now? That'll change your heart. Somebody needs to go work in the kids and change a diaper. Oh, Lord, we're having a, you know, we're, our baby's coming Thursday. I don't know if you know that. I've never changed a diaper in my life. Pray for me, saints. It's going to change me. It'll change you. Serve in the youth department. It'll change you. Start reading your Bible. It'll change you. Start worshiping. It'll change you. By this time next year, you won't recognize yourself. And, and it won't be immediate, but there will be, there will be some immediate changes. My wife knew she was pregnant before we ever took a test. Any ladies out there? Y'all know what I'm talking about? I walked into the kitchen. She goes, I'm pregnant. She had never looked at me like that. I said, oh, Lord, something's up. I said, why? She goes, I know. Explain. I just know. I said, did you miss, you know, the time of the... No, I just know. Well, we went and took a test. She was pregnant. Can I tell you something? A word can get in your spirit and you're different. You can get pregnant with a word from God. And you don't see the, the full manifestation right away, but you feel something kicking on the inside of you. Your appetite starts changing. Your desires start changing. Your, the, the way you think and the way you feel begins to change. Why? Because by this time next year, your whole life could be radically changed by the promise and the word of God. Can we take a praise break real quick and thank God for his word? Oh, come on, somebody. God can change everything. And I don't even need it all to happen tonight. I just need to know that something has changed on the inside. Huh? Thank you for that. Hallelujah, sir. She receives her promise. 
have a baby. And for years and years and years and years, they walk in the promise. But one day, tragedy strikes. The boy grows ill and he dies. And I think this is important to remember. It's important to remember that your last miracle is not your last miracle. That, that there are still good things in front of you. But, but now let me say this, and I'm not prophesying doom and gloom. I'm just saying your last fight is not your last fight. Because you're going to have to fight again. You're going to have to believe God again. You're going to have to press in again. Amen. It's just going to happen. It's not God. It's not even the devil. It's just life. Life is painful. Heaven's going to be wonderful. <laughs> so so their, her last fight was not her last fight. And the Bible said that the boy was out reaping when he died. Huh. In, in the reaping, there was warfare. In the reaping, there was an attack. Not in the, he wasn't out sowing. He was out reaping. Because the enemy knows, the enemy can tell, the enemy can sense that you are about to walk in promise, walk in manifestation, walk in, in, in the prayers that you've been praying, walk in the tears that you've been crying, walk in the promises that have been given. And so you're out in the field of your life and you are beginning to reap the promises of God and in the reaping, there is an attack on his life that ends his life. I just want to say for some of you that are under attack right now, don't give up. Because you're not actually in a warfare season, you're actually in a reaping season. <laughs> and you're actually about to walk in some inheritance and some promises and some prayers that you've been praying and some seeds that you've sown and some money you've given and some, some fasting that you've put in and, and you've been going, why are all these things happening? You are actually reaping. But don't trip, don't panic, don't run, don't find a new church. Hold on. Because the boy dies, but the mama gets him, hear me, and brings him back to the room where the promise was given. I feel this, church. I'm not trying to yell so much. I keep, I'm having an inner dialogue going, Orale, say. Just easy. Take it easy. But my Mexican is coming out. I had some salsa for lunch. And at this point, it's just not, okay, it's just going to get louder, okay? I'm just telling you, so I'm sorry. All my white friends out there, I love you. My mom's white. She would be nervous for me right now. Oh, he's just yelling so much. I just wish he would just, just teach, son. Sorry, mama. She, she takes the promise and brings him back to the presence. See, if you dream up your own life and create your own life and make up your own life, 
when all hell comes against you, you got to go back to you. But if God gives you the promise, and God gives you the dream, and God gives you the word, and God gives you your life, when all hell comes against you, you can go back to God. Oh, come on, somebody. So this isn't self-help. It's God-help. And I'm going to take my life back to the presence of God where it all originated. And she takes her promise. She takes her baby and places him back on the bed. She does not put him in a coffin. She does not put him in the ground. She takes him up (laughs) to the upper room. She does not take him down. She lifts him up. What do I do with my life when I feel like I've been attacked? What do I do with my life when I feel like, like the promise is being diverted? What do I do with my life when I feel like things are dying in my life? I, I don't bury it. I don't give up. I don't go down. But rather, I go back up to the presence of God. I go back to the Word of God. I go back to worship. I go back to church. And I walk up those stairs or I take the elevator. And I come back to an upper room just like this. And I lay my life back at the presence of God and say God this was not my idea this was your idea and I believe you can bring resurrection power hey oh come on shout hallelujah somebody see the the first time she she freaked out with Elisha and said no 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 no, don't get my hopes up but this time She's got some faith in her spirit. She lays him back on the, man of, the, the bed of the man of God. She lays him back in the presence of God. She lays him back in the very place where Elisha first prophesied to her. She went back to the promised place. She went back to the presence place. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 18 says we can do warfare with the prophetic words that have been spoken over our life. So I don't just fight, but rather I grab a word that God has already spoken to me. And I fight with that word. I don't have to find a new word because the last word he spoke to me is still good enough. Some of you want another word. No, 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 just believe what God has already said to you. And she lays the baby boy on the bed. Hear me. She doesn't lay her promise to rest. But she can lay her promise down because she is at rest. Because she knows the word. And she knows what God has promised. And so she doesn't lay it to rest. She doesn't give up on it. But rather she is at rest. So she lays the boy on the bed. And then the Bible said she shut the door. What this means for some of you, it means clicking off of Facebook. I just started a personal Facebook page. I've never had one. Man, it's toxic. (laughs) Amen. I'm not talking about your page. I'm talking about the person next to you's page. (laughs) It's political. Oh, it's political. 
this commercial is going to put Trump in the presidency. Really? This commercial is going to put Hillary in the presidency. Really? One commercial is going to do it. Wow. Okay. I mean, it's like so many weird political things and toxic things and people fighting and people posting weird stuff. And listen, shut the door on all that. It's not building your faith. And by the way, you're not helping anybody. Pray, fast, vote. That's what we're doing at this church. We're not Facebooking, fasting, and voting. We're praying, fasting, and voting. For some of you, that means you got to delete a number from your phone. For some of you, it means blocking someone on Instagram. Did you block me? Yes. Because you're toxic and I'm shutting the door. They're going to get offended. It's all right. You got to shut the door on doubt. You got to shut the door on unbelief. Shut the door on bitterness. Be at rest with the promise of God and shut the door. And then the Bible says she pursued her promise. But I want you to notice this. Verse 24, 25, she, she went after Elisha. She went after the presence of God on earth at that time, which was the man of God, the prophet. We go back to the presence of God, Jesus. But I want you to notice this. She had to go alone. Now, I don't know why. I don't know why her husband didn't go with her. I don't know why he couldn't believe with her. And I think sometimes, and let me speak to married people, you can live as a victim to your relationship and go, well, if I had a more spiritual wife or if I had a more spiritual husband or... And sometimes you just have to go... I love my spouse, but I'm not going to live as a victim to that the rest of my life because that's going to lead you down a terrible road. So rather, I'm just going to keep pursuing the presence of God. Why didn't he believe with her? I'm not really sure. Why didn't he go with her? I'm not really sure. But, I, but I'm not going to live my life as a victim to people who don't quite understand my faith, my destiny, and my promise. She didn't condemn him. Hello, ladies. She didn't judge him. And fellas, this could be for you. I don't know. He didn't, he didn't judge her. It could be that way. And she wasn't discouraged by his lack of faith. Huh. She just went after God. And at the end of the day, I have to answer to God for my relationship with God. Well, you know, the reason my friends or, you know, my mama or, you know, my brother or, you know, my husband or, you know, my wife. No, no, stop with all them. Eventually, you have to go after God. Well, you know, my kids, it's just that season. It's just the season. It's, we talk about seasons so much. I'm tired of talking about seasons. Just go after Jesus. And, and, and she goes after the presence of God. And in verse 26, Gehazi says, is everything okay? And. She says, it is well, and the team can come up. And the, the reality is, it wasn't well. <laughs> the circumstances weren't good. The baby was dead. But it was well in her soul. See, this is what we get to have as believers. It's the believer's advantage. 
It's the faith advantage. It's the hope advantage. That even when it's not good, it's good. She wasn't in denial because it was well in her soul. Gehazi says, everything okay? It's great. But it wasn't. But it was. And, and see, if your soul is healthy, what you'll find is eventually your life will begin to line up with your soul health. You could have everything going right right now. And if your soul is sick, your life will fall apart. She said, it is well. But then she goes to the man of God and says, a baby boy is dead. I need you to come. And in verse 34, the Bible said that Elisha went into the room. And he placed his hand on his hands. And he placed his eyes to his eyes. And he placed his mouth to his mouth. And I want you to imagine the very presence of God coming upon your promise. I want you to imagine the very presence of God coming upon the thing that God has given you. I want you to imagine the very presence of God coming upon your dream, upon your marriage, upon your future, upon the thing that God has given you, upon your harvest, that, that, that thing, your, your seed, the thing that God has given you, your future. God hovers over your chaos and your confusion and your life. And he's not intimidated by it. He's not discouraged by it. He's not frustrated by it. But hand to hand, eye to eye, mouth to mouth. His presence comes back upon your life. And all of a sudden, warmth begins to fill your soul. All of a sudden, your dream begins to get warm again. Your promise begins to receive life again. Come on, married people. Your marriage starts getting some heat back in it. Uh, that, that child that just seems dead on the inside, all of a sudden you can see life in their eyes again. And the presence of God comes upon the boy and life comes back in him. I just want to tell you what God did for her, he can do for you. Because this is the word of the Lord, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. <laughs> Woo, that's good. In him, this is what we preach and this is what we pray. The great amen. God's yes and our yes together. God's yes and our yes hand to hand, eye to eye, mouth to mouth. His life, our life. His yes, our yes. His amen, our amen combining for a miracle. Would you stand to your feet all over this place?
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.